0: This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week, we're previewing the NCAA Rowing Championships. The Bobcats are looking for their third straight national title. Plus, we catch up with Bates College Director of Athletics, Jason Fine, who fills us in on the Friends of Bates Athletics Challenge. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. (laughs) The The Bates track and field teams competed at the NCAA outdoor championships last week and senior captain Aiden Eikoff capped off her remarkable career by finishing second in the nation in the 1,500-meter run. Eikhoff is now tied with Van Teo Elizabeth Duncan for the second-most All-America honors in Bates women's track and field history, with six apiece. That number includes two second-place finishes and one third-place finish In her senior season alone, Eickhoff also becomes the program's all-time most decorated runner in terms of All-America status, pulling out of a tie with Izzy Alexander and Jessica Wilson.
1: Aiden, first of all, I know uh, we talked before the race, before you departed, about what your expectations were, how the... uh prelims, you had to be kind of strategic in terms of not giving too much, I suppose, and just qualifying Mm -hmm. for the finals. How did it all go from a strategic standpoint for you? Because obviously, it worked out quite well in the end.
2: Yes, um, in hindsight, it did work out in the end. I will say that the uh, prelim race, especially, was not the confidence booster I needed going into the final. Um, It did work out, uh, however, had the first heat. Uh, gone a different way it might have pushed my time out so essentially I was happy to make the final but um, certainly having such it was a strategic race people went out very slow uh, and then had to sort of leave it all for that last lap and I sort of expected my speed to be able to carry me for that And and it did and it did mostly but um, so I, I, kind of squeaked into the final, <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it, it totally did all work out in the end.
1: I noticed from the heat, you were sixth in the heat, but I guess that heat was just really fast.
2: Yes. It was faster than the first one, which meant that fortunately I didn't need, necessarily need the top four qualifying
1: and then in the final i mean obviously we talked about you know emily bryson of brandeis and what she brings to Mm -hmm. the table Uh, how did that race go in terms of approaching um uh you know her and, and and trying to keep pace with her throughout or did you not concern yourself necessarily with that
2: yeah um so i in the final um even after the prelim race really tried hard to stay calm and not take those nerves from the prelim race and go out really fast and try to lead it the entire time. I instead just took a deep breath and um, I, was, I was in the back for most of the race. And I knew that the front runners were um, at a good pace, nothing too slow or too fast. Um, and, you know, Emily Bryson and I both sort of did our own thing. I knew that I would have to make a move going into the final lap. And because I hadn't tried to lead it at that point, I still, had, um, I still had a quick lap left in me. And, you know, she did as well. Pretty much as soon as I made my move, she made hers and just sort of blew by me. And I knew that was going to happen. Um, <laughs> so fortunately for me, I just then concentrated on trying to stay in second for the rest of the race.
1: Yeah. It looked like it was quite a close battle there for second place with a runner from Calvin college. It looks, yeah. (laughs) Exactly.
2: It was, I could kind of see them coming on my inside and my outside. Fortunately, I was able to
1: persevere. (laughs) And I, I assume you were able to make it back for graduation the next day. And that all went smoothly.
2: Yes, it did. It was a blur. It really was. But within 24 hours, essentially, I was second at nationals and had graduated and moved out of my dorm. So it was pretty crazy.
1: What does it mean to you to be the most decorated runner in Bates women's track and field history with those six all America honors you have?
2: You know, I personally have, at least to me, I feel like I hit Bates college at a time where we had such strong leaders um, both just from a leadership standpoint and from a performance standpoint, having Katherine Cook, Jess Wilson, Allison Hill, Sally Cisse, having that whole crew as sort of my leaders made it really easy for me to stay committed, show up every day, and because there was always people around me who that was, That wasn't even really an option for them it was just sort of second nature and to have to have those leaders throughout my time made it I think they just sort of paved the way for me um, and my teammates especially you know made it all worth it so having I think that I definitely owe my success to my surroundings in a lot of ways. Um, You know, my coach, my surroundings, but um, it, it really, it makes it all worth it, I think. I think it would have been worth it regardless of the accolades, but it really makes me look at the four years and say, you know, all the weekends that I gave to track, all the vacations that... I needed to, you know, get out early and run in the morning. It it made it makes that all really valuable and worth it.
1: Excellent. So, uh, what are you up to this week now that you're done with everything <laughs> involving base at this point, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. So I am sort of resetting this week uh, after moving out. I realized I then need to get everything together to move back. I'm up to I'm up in Burlington, Vermont for at least the summer, starting the position there. So I start on Monday.
1: <laughs> oh, and what and what's the job?
2: Um, it is a community and recreation planning firm. So they're currently working on um I believe it's a trail project outside of Burlington and they're doing some community input surveying and so I will be I think assigned to that mostly, but I'm hoping mm-hmm. this next week gives me a little bit more insight.
1: <laughs> Excellent. And will you uh, continue to, you know, run recreationally a bit, you know, I'm, I'm sure um, in terms of yes. uh, fi- finding fellow alums and whatnot.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Catherine Cook's actually in the area and she just today qualified uh, for the Boston Marathon nice. this weekend, I guess, that she ran a race and qualified. So, um, yes, I am excited to both you know, sort of reinvent how I run and uh, maybe do some trail runs, maybe some fun 5Ks, something like that, maybe meet up with Jess Wilson. Um, But also I'm I'm excited to, you know, see how the relationship with the team goes because I know so many people have – so many alumni have come back and – you know, either texted me or showed up at races. So I'm definitely excited to be able to take on that role as team fan and, uh, you know, give back to a program that has been so important to me.
1: Sounds good. Well, any other thoughts on your time at Bates you wanted to share before we we sign off here?
2: I just have been such a beneficiary of the sort of the student-athlete experience at Bates, and I know that, you know, the people – people up top are working hard to make that experience a a really fulfilling one for everyone and I hope that both the you know the track and field and cross country teams continue to sort of nurture student athletes along at their time at Bates so huge shout out to coach Jay, coach Fresh, Art, Kurt, Jacob, (laughs) the whole crew but It has just been so valuable to me.
1: Outstanding. Ada Eickhoff, second in the nation, the 1,500 meters at the women's outdoor track and field championships there on Saturday. Thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcats. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Sophomore John Rex and junior captain Brendan Donahue also competed at NCAAs for Bates, with Rex finishing 15th in the hammer throw, and Donahue putting up a personal best score in the first day of the decathlon before being forced to withdraw due to injury the following day. The women's rowing team is looking for its third straight NCAA title this weekend, with the Bobcats traveling to Indianapolis ranked first in the nation. We interviewed a trio of coxswains about how they lead the Bobcats down the river. Sophomore Liza Folsom leads the first varsity eight, junior Maya Sation leads the second varsity eight, and sophomore Elise Grossfeld will serve as the alternate coxswain this weekend. Maya, is this your first trip, I think, to NCAA uh, as a junior here, so what are you most looking forward to? What have you heard about it from the other coxswains?
3: This is my first trip. Um, it has certainly been, I mean, in my mind, it's been something that I've been really hoping to get to working towards, I've heard a lot about it. Uh, I've had some really great coxswains in the past, people like Abby Bierman, um, Kate Trakulina, Hannah Bruin, all those people who, who very much have been mentors and, and taught me a lot about what you know being a coxswain on this team looks like. And then, of course, having people like Liza and Elise to work with is it just makes everything so much easier. Um, and I think that's what makes you know us a very unique team of coxswains, especially at Bates, that we're very collaborative, very cooperative, and it helps everyone to improve.
0: Awesome. Yeah, Eliza, how do you work with the other two coxswains here?
4: Um, I mean, a lot of it is, like, on the water, like, steering together. Maya and I have come up with a few hand <laughs> signals recently to, like, tell each other, like, when to stop or, I don't know, and it's, you really have to think about, like, steering together, like, steering around a turn with another boat can be hard sometimes, but... I don't know. I think just by talking to each other, and we've all gotten pretty close, so that's definitely helped us like work better together.
5: Great,
0: Elise. Tell me a little bit about your background. When did you start? You know, being a coxswain. You know, was it growing up in high school here at Bates, or how'd that go?
5: Yeah, um, I and mean, I've been coxing since freshman year of high school. Um, started following my freshman year, immediately fell in love with it, um, and just knew from about a year into rowing that I wanted to cox in college. Um, I wanted this to be something that i continued with for a long time um because i really love it and it's just something that's really fun to do and last
0: year i know you got to travel see the blaze right as an as alternate yeah. and what was that experience like
5: that was it was so cool um just seeing kind of like everything built up getting to see um so many teams there um we got to be like right across from the washington women and just seeing like really like the the epitome and all the best of rowing um, from everywhere was an amazing experience um, and getting to like watch all these races and um, see kind of teams that you followed from afar for so long and just like up close and everybody's kind of on that same playing field and you feel kind of like equal with these elite rowers.
0: Having an alternate who's so strong like at least who has so much experience, uh, that must be really nice, right?
4: Yeah, totally. And it's comforting to know that if Maya and I's voice boxes go out, at least, Elise can handle it, no problem. But, yeah, it's definitely fun having Elise there. Uh,
0: Elise, as an alternate, how do you kind of – what's your approach to things kind of on the trip and everything?
5: Yeah, I mean, I'm just there to do whatever needs to be done, whatever people need to be do, whether it's carrying things, um, just, like, helping move things from place to place. If Liza and Maya are busy, like, can't – like, help move the boat from, like, Slings to Rack, like, I can do that. Just whatever they need to make the trip go the most effectively and efficiently for them.
6: I
0: saw you filming the practice today. How'd that experience go?
5: Oh, just so, so great. Filming, (laughs) so much fun. You're scared to drop the iPad, I heard. Yeah, I was, you know, it was, it was, like, me falling off the launch, the iPad falling off the launch. I thought the iPad was, like, a little more of a priority, so I went with that, but... (laughs)
0: <laughs> Maya, um, tell, tell me a little about your background and what made Bates the place for you coming out of high school and everything.
3: Yeah, so in high school I coxed at a pretty competitive program. Um, it was very much unheard of for me to go D3. Most of the girls that I row with rode, you know, at Stanford and Michigan, and they are going to Worlds, and they might go to the Olympics. And so for my coach, it was kind of a surprise to hear that, D3 was what I was considering and for me it just made the most sense academically and otherwise and I think when you talk D3 there's absolutely no better place to be at than Bates Um, yeah.
0: So are you looking forward to maybe seeing some of your old high school teammates at NCAAs
3: then? I I definitely think so a lot of them are uh, will be there so it'll be fun to see them coxswains included so um, should be very fun very exciting like Elise said it's you're on another level when you're there. You're competing with and seeing people who are, are really just the top of the top of the rowing world. So some exciting stuff.
0: Liza, what was the experience like last year? Seeing that, you know, firsthand for you, you know, the Division One team, Division Two teams that were there.
4: Yeah, it was awesome. Like you see videos of them like on Instagram or their Facebook pages or whatever and the girls are just so tall and like (laughs) giant like we last year like this year we have like tall big people but like oh my god like they're they they got like 20 people all like six seven that's an exaggeration but like (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know it's just it's really fun to watch the D1 teams and then also be there and like I don't know being able to like rep Bates is pretty cool too
0: Great. Uh, Elise, in your opinion, what makes this group of coxswains special in your mind?
4: I mean, I think the dynamic
5: that we have um, is just unlike any sort of coxswain dynamic I've ever had in high school or at any time, um, and that we, like, work so well together and I think are so just, like, supportive of each other, like, wherever we are and whatever we're doing, um, that, like, all three of us want all of the boats to be fast and, like, whatever we can do together to achieve that goal for the team. I think is the most important for us. Um, and it's just so much fun working with these guys. And, like, me and lots and my we just, like, have a great time. It's good. Yeah,
0: for sure. I mean, now this time of year, of course, it's only, you know, there's only two boats, and, you know, during the regular season. Before this time, there's a lot more. So what's this time of practice like compared to maybe before, you know, it, it gets reduced down to two?
4: It's fun, but it's also kind of sad. Like, we missed the third boat yeah. and the men's team, and it's definitely a lot – more chill here and everybody's not as hyper and jumping around but it's still fun we just miss everybody else
0: <laughs> for sure then Maya, um, i'll let you uh wrap things up i guess kind of you know looking forward to ncaa's what are some things that you're focused on with the 2v to you know achieve the gold medal once again
3: no absolutely i think this boat is just so special this position to be in is, is a very special position you're pushed from every side of the team, like Coach says, you're pushed from the bottom up and, and from every, every seat up. I think that as we approach NCAAs, for me, it's, it's keeping this sheer power just calm and, and collected and, and keeping them as, uh, as calm as they can be so that they can just rip and, and drive and, and get to where they need to go.
0: Excellent. NCAAs coming up. Eliza, Maya, Elise, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. We've already recapped the softball, baseball, and men's lacrosse seasons on previous episodes of the Bobcast. This time, we'll recap the tennis and women's lacrosse seasons, starting with Bates women's and men's tennis head coach Paul Gassengay. Both teams went 3-5 and five in NESCAC action this year. Anna Rosen as a first year really impressed, right? Hannah Sweeney, another solid year as a sophomore, you know, playing that number one spot. But what else stood out to you about the women's season this year?
6: I was just... Uh, Super excited for the energy and just the overall culture of the team this year. They were incredible. Uh, The work ethic they had, the unity they had, just the the togetherness. Uh, It's the tightest unit we've had Um, in my 23 years. uh, They're just a great group, and they work really hard every day to to battle for each other and sacrifice for each other. And they did it with a smile, which was really cool. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Hannah at number one you know she's up against the toughest players in the country every single match and she had a you know some real big wins and she had some real close losses but you can never say enough about hannah because she leads every day and she she battles and you know she had a four-hour you know match (laughs) basically um it's insane like the the level of um Commitment it takes to endure that kind of pain um, over and over and over. They're playing like fifty ball rallies. I mean, uh, you know, she she did that over and over this season and just really led the team. Um, you know, and and Bella Stone as a senior, you know, has battled injuries her her whole career. Shoulder. She went through a, a grueling uh, rehab and and a shoulder surgery at the end of last year to get back. For her teammates this year, and and she held up pretty well, um, but still it it kind of came back a little bit and and bugged her, um, mm-hmm. bother her a little bit at the end of the season, um, but she battled through and, and and you know she did it for her teammates. I mean, a lot of kids would have just packed it in and said, "I'm not going through the surgery. I'm not going to deal with this." But uh, she was amazing. I um, can't say enough about the you know the juniors as well. You know, uh, Susie and Isabel and uh, Lauren Hernandez were just unbelievable like in our first years you know were incredible as well you know you mentioned uh, Anna Rosen and Sydney Burns and you know and then we had some some other players waiting in the wings who were doing some really good stuff uh, great leadership overall Morgan Woods and Hannah Londoner um, got in the lineup like sporadically but they always led the team and always had a great attitude so that's what, that was the mark of this team. Um, they didn't care if they were in or out or where they played in the lineup. They just wanted to do it for each other. They were just really tight. So I, I'm super excited for next year. We really have a good group coming in. Um, it's always tough to lose, uh, you know, a senior class. That's the hardest part of my job, I think, is, you know, you, you, you reach that end of the error with those four players you know, or, or three of, you know, players that have been there for four years and and it just um, you've put a lot into it together and and it's sad when they have to leave but then there's also an excitement you know kind of a rebirth when you have uh, an influx of new talent and new players coming in uh, next fall which we're super excited about so it's a, a very strong class.
0: Well, yeah, you mentioned Bella Stone, what she went through. I was here for the last home match of the year there against Colby,
6: and she dominated her. serve was on point. That was really cool to yeah. see. That's really who she is yeah. uh, when she's pain-free. Um, obviously, when you're when you're feeling stuff in your shoulder, you kind of hesitate on your serve, and you don't really finish and go up after it. And that match, she, she was feeling it and uh, doing unbelievable stuff, and she just crushed her opponent, yeah, who was a very good player.
0: And then you had you know a couple other seniors you mentioned didn't get in the lineup that much, but they stuck with the program their entire time, like Morgan Woods and you know Hannah London, and you missing her as well. So what does that say about
6: them that even though they weren't necessarily in the lineup a lot, you know they were able to stick with the team all four years? It was a testament to this unit. You know the the girls all talked about how how much they they meant to them and their leadership um, off the court and how they were always there for each other and having the the upperclassmen there to help the first years assimilate to college life and, and give advice and just be there for each other. They were, they were a huge part of our team, and they trained hard every day, and they were in every practice pushing people all around them, and they made us better.
0: Like the women's team, you know, just like the men's team, right, right there on the edge of making, the, you know, the NESCAC tournament
6: each year. You know, there's only six teams. Is that
0: going to be changing? I, I've heard some rumors.
6: It is actually. It yeah. just got approved. Okay. Uh, next year, we'll have eight teams. Okay. Uh, so that'll be exciting. I was just uh, hoping so so much this year. We had a really uh, close battle with Williams in our mm-hmm. last uh, regular right. season match with the women, and uh, honestly, we had a few uh, points not go our way in the doubles and and if those do you know we can start up a a a 2-1 lead over Williams and I think you know we can pull that out and be one of the six teams so uh we were close but playing on their home courts and you know it's it's tough and no excuses they they battled and they left it all out on the court but uh, next year you know it's new a bunch of new opportunities coming our way and I think we're gonna rise to the occasion and just it takes some reps playing at that high level, and and knowing that you can be, you know, the best. And uh, I think now they understand that.
0: Well, eight teams still going to be a committee type deal, just because it's not a full schedule, or is that going to change also?
6: It's all based on win loss record and, uh-huh. and uh, you know strength of schedule. Yeah. So you know they look at at everything. So if you play, you know, a stronger schedule. Um, and you have a, a your win loss record suffers because of that. Mm-hmm. It's it's based on head to head, so it's pretty clear cut.
0: Yeah. Now on the men's side, Josh Keanu, just what a career he had, right? At Bates, rising to play number one. What can you say about what he did?
6: Just an first an incredible person, uh-huh. um, but equally incredible athlete. Uh, the kid can is so fast and quick yeah. and his hands are incredible and he had a a great doubles career as well Mm -hmm. but to see a player you know come into the program and you know fight for five or six spot and just get better every year and you know to play at the one spot for the first time and and just have the year he had um you know it wasn't without blemish but he beat some some tough players and when he lost you know, to top players, it was he was in the battle and he was in three set matches that, you know, uh, versus Bowden, versus, uh, in a close match with, with Amherst that could have gone his way. And, you know, that's, you know, a testament to his heart and how he competes on the court. It's just he's an incredible athlete, an incredible, uh, team leader and, you know, uh, really proud of him. He, he accomplished a lot. Um, we were really, you know disappointed when he didn't get selected to the NCAA tournament um, and he was uh, an alternate and it didn't work out for him um, but he was uh, nominated and and voted on by by the coaches and selected as the ITA Northeast Region uh, most improved senior uh, which is very fitting you know for a player to come in low in a lineup as a freshman and work their way up to number one in this league uh, the big guns, they reload every year yeah. and they add a new uh, stud at number one and, and you know, a top-ranked junior that comes in and, and, and really impacts the team. And, you know, um, that happens sometimes, but, you know, it's, it's neat to see a kid develop and just grow and, and become a, a great competitor. And the thing I can say about Q is every single coach that we play against will comment about Q after the match and just say... I love the way this this kid plays. I love the way he competes. He's incredible. Like, And they just marvel at the stuff he's able to do in the big game, the big forehands and backhands, his ability to close out balls at the net, and it's just, his quickness is incredible. And he has a, a big, big serve uh, for a guy his size. Uh, so he's definitely made the most of his ability and um, can't say enough about Q, just an unbelievable person. And uh, we're gonna miss him incredibly.
0: Then Jacob Coppele was an All-American in doubles with Ben Rosen uh, the previous year, an, a really strong season again this year. Um, At number two singles, he's 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 gonna be ready to step into number one next year, isn't
6: he? Yeah, Cop, as we call him, is he's such a, a, an unselfish player. He it's whatever the team needs, he'll mm-hmm. do. And um, you know, he and Q battled back and forth all year, and you know, uh, you know, Cop could have played one or two. I mean, he's he's so solid. He he almost, you know, had a, a perfect season. He had a couple losses, but, you know, they were tight matches, and you know, he beat some really good players this year. Um, he's an All-American doubles player from last year, and so he brings a presence and, and a leadership. He's done it before, and the guys look to him, and they, they can look to his court and see this year, I think, better than the last two years, he, he made a huge improvement in just his, uh, his energy on the court was so level and so focused and just he was such a strong competitor. Win or lose a point, he come back and play another one just as tough. And his all-court ability uh, coming forward, you know, is, is pretty incredible. And, um, yeah, he, he, he led really, really well this year. We asked him to sort of fill a different role and you know taking an all-american doubles player and asking him to play three doubles this year um, with Alex Kennedy and we had a lot of injuries this year so we mixed doubles up quite a bit Um, but we sort of uh, settled on that uh, for the last stretch of the season and you know Jacob was totally unselfish and and energized you know he wanted to do that and he wanted to help the team and he was a, a really good mentor for Alex and um, you know they played really well together. So,
0: and then Ben Eckhart returning to the team as a senior after playing as a first
6: year. Tell us about his impact. Ben's an incredible person as well, um, a really special kid. Um, it was great, you know. I was watching him play. Uh, he wasn't with us in the fall, and you know, be we really focusing on his academics the last couple of years. And he was just uh, uh, just received the Lindholm Award as the top are tied for the top uh, male student-athlete out of 31 sports teams, which is a a huge deal. Um, You know, he's going on, uh, he's already uh, passed his first level actuary exam, and he's uh, got, got a job with Unum in Portland, so he'll be close by. It'll be nice to to see him on a regular basis, but you know here's a kid who wasn't even with the team, but he was training so hard every single day and you know I'd look out my window and Merrill here and I'd watch him every day either hitting serves or playing with the top guys on our team playing sets and and matches against them and drilling with them and and he was holding his own if not beating them and so I I picked up the phone and I I gave him a call I said you know Ben can you meet and uh, so we invited him back and, went and encouraged him to join the team again and um it was it was interesting uh, our discussion he was enticed by it but he was like you know let me sleep on this you know and so jokingly I said well you're going to go home and take a nap right now <laughs> and, and call me in an hour yeah. or uh so <laughs> it worked out and I think he actually did that because he, he literally called me w- within an hour yeah. and a half and um you know it was a, a great decision for the team um with our injuries you know we needed uh someone to, to step in and and make an impact and he did just that but not just with his athleticism and and his doubles play uh, but just his leadership overall leadership just his energy and enthusiasm uh, to be on the court was infectious uh, and that's what we talk about every day there should be a joy when you play um, a joy of competing a joy of battling when stuff goes bad, you you thrive on that, and you just you, you persevere. And and Ben was the perfect example for the team. Uh, it was really cool to to see him uh, come up with a huge victory over uh, a player from Bowden uh, in our in one of our last home matches, and uh, he just played unbelievably well. And you know he was a a good junior player, but you know the kitty beat was like a top 50 player, um, so it was a, a big deal. Great.
0: What are your thoughts on the tennis season for both teams this year?
6: It was a challenging year uh, on the men's side, but I think if you go into a season expecting everything to be perfect, you shouldn't be in this line of work. <laughs> um, I think you know, we, we did our best to embrace the challenge uh, of, of being down players. and you know I think what I can say about the, the men's team is that they really persevered every single match and, and they were in the fight, uh, and that's all I can ask, honestly. Um, they, had to, they had to overcome a lot this year, and we were still battling with the best teams in the country. Uh, we lost a lot of close ones, but we'll be back next year, and we'll be stronger for it. Uh, on the women's side, we, it was the first year we've been healthy in the last three years. So uh, we had everyone in the lineup for the most part, um, and Bella still was hampered a little bit, but she was in most of the time. And, you know, I think it was just – you know, again, the opportunity to be in the lineup and to not be injured <laughs> with Susie and Isabel, who missed an entire spring, uh, you know, their first year or sophomore year, you know, it gave them uh, just this incredible uh, desire to get back on the court, and they they played with a passion and they they really competed well. All right, Paul Gassengay,
0: thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcats to recap the tennis season. Appreciate it. My pleasure. The Bates women's lacrosse team went 8-8 and this year and 4-6 and in NESCAC play. The Bobcats were the only team in the country to defeat eventual NCAA champion Middlebury. Head coach Brett Allen joined us on the phone to talk about that win and to recap the season.
7: Well, I think it's a testament to the strength of the NESCAC, of course, whenever you have a team that's able to finish off the season with a national title. Um, you know, obviously the Final Four this year had three of the four teams as NESCAC teams, so certainly a strong conference this year you know I think uh for us to be able to uh you know start our NESCAC schedule at Middlebury with a win was obviously huge um at the time um I think it certainly was giving us a lot of excitement as we started the season and uh you know certainly we had some great wins this year but um you know we play a tough schedule and the fact that three of the four teams in the final four were NESCAC teams and and honestly a fourth Amherst just missed um by losing by a goal in the uh, regional quarterfinals, Uh, you know, it's it's a tough league. And we had a good year, but certainly want to get to the place where we're in contention to go to the Final Four.
8: And in terms of the
7: the Bobcats offenses here, you know, Margaret Smith as a sophomore really had, I think, kind of a breakout season. What do you see from her? Well, I think there's always a big jump for kids when they – transition from their freshman to their sophomore year. Um, I feel like across the board, our sophomore class was much more impactful this year than they were as first years. Um, and a lot of that's just uh, due to the fact that they're a little bit more emotionally mature. They obviously kind of know their way around campus and they know what to expect as far as the season goes. And I think that just gives those kids uh, and obviously Margaret included um, an opportunity to just get comfortable and, and play their game rather than trying to force it and prove to everybody that they're good enough to compete at this level. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was obviously proud of her, but, you know, really proud of all of our returners for, you know, amping up their game a little bit and being more consistent than they were a year ago. I know you've
8: been, you know, very busy this past few days. uh, You know, in in postseason meetings with players, what do you, what do you get from that? What do what do you let the players get from that in terms of, you know, looking back on the season when you
7: talk with them? Well, everybody's got a different take on the season, um, for the most part, as far as it goes as an individual. But I think collectively the team was obviously really excited with how the season started, and then, you know, certainly there was some disappointment with how our season ended. Um, At the same time, you know, our job as coaches is to give them a little perspective. I mean, we certainly had a great start Um, but every week is a new week um, in our league and I've kind of always said to them I'm like you what you need to realize is like it's obviously a 15 game season but every week is its own new season and so being able to sort of refocus and get prepared for a new opponent when you have different challenges with your academic schedule or with the way our semester falls each week from excuse me, the beginning of March through the end of April um, is something that we talked about a lot with the team throughout the season and then obviously touched on again in our, in our meetings at the end of the year. So uh, we're excited for next year. I think there's certainly things that you learn about your, about your team and about what your strengths and weaknesses are that give you a chance to refocus as you, uh, you know, look ahead to, to the start of another year next fall. Certainly. And I mean, obviously,
8: you know, seniors graduating, Eliza Steele, steel, you know, play a lot in gold this year. But you also have Rachel there backing her up. Uh, and playing a a fair number of minutes herself, so what did that experience do you think gained for her looking forward, kind of?
7: Well, you hope that everybody who gains experience is going to be able to use that and, uh, you know, sort of have a really solid foundation going into the next season. Um, You know, I feel like Rachel's going to be in a good position to earn the opportunity to to play in goal, but at the same time, I think she's got to adjust to now, instead of being the younger goalie, she's going to be the more experienced and veteran goalie, and so that's going to be a new challenge for her um, and something that we talked about with her, but You know, I think all goalies are kind of ready for that transition. Um, You know, we do have another goalie that's coming in who will be part of our first year class next year. And, you know, we expect that she's going to do what Rachel did last year as a freshman, which is, you know, compete really hard, do her best to put her best foot forward. um, And then obviously, uh, you know, make Rachel really earn that job if, if if she plays well enough and deserves it.
8: Was there anything about the season that surprised you, good or bad, you know, throughout the year or kind of progressed about the team and everything?
7: Um, well, <laughs> I've done this long enough, so I wouldn't say there's a lot that surprises me anymore <laughs> because, you know, I've tried to temper my expectations just because, you know, every week is a new week and you just never really know what to expect. Even if, you know, you can have a great week of preparation and then, you know, lay a complete egg in a game on a Saturday Um, And you could have a terrible week of preparation and then, you know, you end up playing your best game. So uh, since I've coached enough games to kind of realize that that's a possibility every time, um, I wouldn't say anything surprised me um, more than the fact that, um, you know, the end of the semester actually seems like it should be easier for our athletes because as you finish up exams and you kind of look into that little bit of a stretch sort of with games after break, there's less stress on their plate. There's less things they have to worry about academically, but I feel like, you know, we struggled to play our best, even though we had less stressors in our life. Um, mm. And so that surprised me a little bit, not so much that we lost to Tufts or Amherst or Colby, but the fact that um, the games weren't a little bit more competitive. Um, certainly a part of that is because of the quality of the opponents. <laughs> you know, I acknowledge that as well, but, you know, I think, if there was any surprise, it was it was just maybe that those games weren't a little bit closer.
8: Well yeah, It seems like lacrosse is um, obviously um, a game of, of runs, to say the least, and if you don't respond with a run, it can get out of hand quite quickly. I mean, is that something, obviously, you've observed here in your time, coaching, in terms of you know ha- having to be able to answer when a team scores four goals in a row or something like that?
7: Yeah, no, there's no question that it is a game of runs. Um, and, you know, I think what we struggled with maybe was and those last few games um, and even a little bit in that exam week or the week before exams uh, in the beginning of April was just getting off to a good start and responding after the teams we were playing, you know, scored three or four goals early. So, you know, again, it's one of those things like if, if a coach had the magic wand to figure that out, like none of us would be coaching. (laughs) We'd all be consulting and telling everybody how to do it. But, um, you know, I think that, You know, learning from that and figuring out how to be resilient, how to be more focused at the beginning of a game is definitely a takeaway from this season that, you know, hopefully we can improve on looking ahead to next season.
8: What stood out about the class 2019 for the women's lacrosse program, in your opinion?
7: I think the five girls that just finished up their careers um, did an amazing job of from the moment they got here as first years, really buying into the team culture. Um, obviously they were part of the, the team that went to NCAAs um, in 2016. And that was, you know, basically our best year uh, in the history of the program since the NESCAC tournament, you know, started uh, in the early 2000s. And then obviously the AQ came in for NCAAs. So um, that was, a huge, a huge experience for them because they were able to sort of take some of the things that they learned as first years. And then as they got older and became more impactful on the field as players, they were able to really, I think help our team culture, especially from their junior into their senior year, to just remind everybody of why we do this. And you know, that it is about the team. It's not about individual accolades and individual performances. Um, It's about having a great experience, obviously competing hard to do the best you can, but, um, You know, I think the five of them just from the moment they arrived as first years, you know, they watched the seniors they played for then and they were kind of ready for this moment um, to really put us in a position to be competitive again. Because, you know, we missed the NESCAC playoffs as when they were sophomores and juniors in 2017 and 2018. So to get back there this year and to sort of do it with their leadership was, I think, really, really cool. Awesome. Well,
8: last question for you. Any other thoughts on the season that we haven't talked about and what you're most looking forward to next year, perhaps?
7: Well, you know, obviously we lose those five young ladies um, who are going to go off and have amazing careers uh, and lives after Bates. But, you know, we had a roster of 27, so we've got 22 kids coming back and, you know, we feel really good about our rising junior class, our rising senior class, and obviously we had five first years this year that I thought were very impactful in their own way. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how they transition from freshmen into sophomores as well. Um, And then next year we've got a a bigger group of first years arriving. We've got uh, nine to ten kids that will probably make up that class. So – Um, You know, I'm just excited to get started again. Every season's a new season, and uh, every team's a new team because kids mature and get older, and you have different personalities that get added into the mix. So just can't wait to get going again.
0: From Wednesday through Friday this week, Friends of Bates Athletics is issuing a challenge to the Bates community. Three days, 31 varsity sports, 310 donors. Bates Director of Athletics Jason Fine fills
9: us in on the challenge. The challenge came about um, through some conversations with our Senior Associate AD Celine uh, Cunningham and myself, um, talking about ways that we could help use modern technology to help our teams, you know, reach their fundraising goals. And and one thing that um, anyone involved in intercollegiate athletics knows these days is that fundraising is a big part of the job. Whether you're the AD or whether you're the coach, to try and you know supplement. Um, your program. So, um, so this has been really successful at some other campuses, and you know anybody who's kind of in this world has probably seen some of the you know campaigns out there on social media. So, um, so we approached our advancement office and our advancement team, and they were really receptive. Um, and we, um, you know, we put this together. This is the first go at it, and uh, so far there's been pretty good buzz. And then we're gonna we plan on refining it, you know, and then you know using uh, some of the feedback we get this year to see how we can do. But we've got a great goal of. Um, you know, $31,000 in, uh, in 31 uh, teams, so we're trying to stick with the 31s, and yeah. it'll end on May 31st, um, you know, and we're trying to get 310 donors. Yeah. So uh, certainly we want to encourage everybody to, you know, no matter how big or small, to go out there and make a gift because it all counts towards a challenge.
0: And the teams are competing against each other, kind of. There's a leaderboard. People can check
9: that out as well, right? Well, I mean, you know, if coaches and student-athletes can, can identify with anything, it's competition, right? Yeah. So we thought that um, doing the leaderboard and Give Campus makes it really easy to do that, um, that we thought we'd create a little healthy competition, a little challenge. Um, and there's some incentives in there because donors have created incentives based on, um, you know, who gives what on what particular day to what particular team. So it should spark folks to, um, to get out there to their networks to... To alums, to parents, um, and, and boosters you know, of the program to try and uh, get that challenge so that their team can hopefully realize a little bit more in the donations than, than they would just through the regular giving.
0: For people who may not know, Friends of Bates Athletics is in the Office of Advancement here at the college. It really supports all the varsity sports. What, what have you seen in your time here, the impact of donations to Friends of Base Athletics on the department?
9: Oh, well, it's been huge. I mean, first of all, the fact that we didn't have to come in and create a giving arm of athletics that had already existed um, in Friends of Bates athletics is is huge. Anywhere from half a million to a million dollars a year is, is raised through campaigns and fundraising that go to help supplement the programs. So um, having kind of an official arm and a partner in our advancement team is really important and we work with with our folks over there very closely and it's everything. This is this is this may be Folks first experience um, officially with Friends of Bates Athletics, but it's happening behind the scenes every year. Uh, Golf outings and other events and and things like that um, that we do with alums and parents and donors um, all kind of gets funneled through Friends of Bates.
0: Well, and then this week, of course, we have the exciting, you know, three-day donor challenge through Friends of Bates Athletics. And while the challenge is going on, uh, the rowing teams are in Indianapolis right now. They'll be competing Friday and, and Saturday um, at the NCAA Championships looking for another national
9: title. Um, how excited are you to see what this team can do yet again? Oh, I mean, it's super exciting. I know you'll be there, you know, cheering them on as well and covering it for all of us um, it's, uh, it's a great, exciting time of year. Anytime that you're playing, you know, after graduation in any sport, it's it's really uh, exciting. So yeah. to be um, out there competing in the NCAAs and, you know, it's a it's an odd um, spot for some of our uh, teams to be in, which is, you know, to be this perennial favorite, right? I mean, the one that have, you know, the, the target on your back, so to speak, from the rest of the country. But that's what Bates Rowing really has earned. And... In 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 winning these national championships, I mean, going in as a number one seed, it's, you know, others are some other teams are used to going in there as the underdog and and you know, kind of quote unquote having nothing to lose. And with the with the rowing team, it's you know, everyone is watching them, and that's a lot of pressure on the student athletes and on the coaching staff. And I'm just amazed at how they continually respond and um, you know uh, whatever happens I think we're super proud of them and and of course you know we'd love to win a national championship of of course but um, but to continue to compete at this high level and be out there in the championships again and and seem to just always focus and double down on on what they're doing is just a huge testament to the coaching staff and to those student-athletes. Absolutely. Well,
0: we talked with Scott Lehman last week about the facilities priorities and what's going on over the summer, the initiatives there. From your perspective, maybe outside of that, what else are you going to be looking to do over this um, summer leading into next fall from a department standpoint?
9: Yeah, we actually uh, have have been in some meetings uh, these last couple weeks talking about continued facility improvements. Um, You know, our goal is always to try and, and recruit the best and the brightest, whether it be coaches, whether it be student athletes, and we know we need to um, you know include a facility plan in that in those goals right I mean it's admissions um, is huge in, in recruiting you know the best but also um, facilities you know speaks to, to prospective students these days so yeah we've made some great strides and and I'm glad that you um, got to talk to Scott a little bit about that um, we, we're really excited at the way alumni gym has turned out from kind of start to finish the the actual gym and the bleachers along with the new lobby and and uh, some of the other areas but we're gonna we're gonna continue that process and we're gonna do focus a little more on branding this summer updating some of the spots where the brands are a little bit outdated um, scoreboards and hallways and and things like that and then we want to try and take our showcase pieces where recruits come which Mm -hmm. was really kind of the lobby here and move that over to the lobby of Merrill and the lobby of Underhill and of course getting the turf down in Underhill is going to be huge yeah. from a performance standpoint. We really want to try um, to key in on maximizing our student athletes' peak performance and that means physical, that means mental, that means emotional, it means social um, and so we're always kind of looking at it with that eye of what is that student experience going to be like so um, so that'll, that'll go a long way but we're, we're looking at what we can do. And again, partnering with advancement and, um, and our great administration to try and say, look, what's, what is the next phase of this looks like? There's little fixes and then there's also bigger projects and facility projects that we, you know, want to do, and we want to um, have better locker facilities, locker rooms, changing areas, you know, things out at the fields, new turf fields, and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, we've got a lot in the works, and they'll have to stay tuned to the to the podcast.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of that, you mentioned you wanted group the best. You made a new hire for women's soccer, new head coach. Tell us about him
9: coming in from UPS. Yeah, Joe Vary, um, coming from Puget Sound. Really excited to have him coming pretty much about as far as you can go in the <laughs> continental <laughs> U.S. and still be here um, coming coming up to Maine. But, um, you know, he's got a great track record of of building programs, his last two spots. Um, He knows how to do it in a highly competitive academic environment, a highly competitive um, athletic environment. Um, Came out here and pretty much, uh, you know, was was unanimous amongst folks that met him that this was going to be a good fit. Um, And we're really excited. I mean, the the team is certainly excited. We were able to have a, a Zoom conference call with him last week after we named him and had the team because some of our folks were still traveling overseas Mm -hmm. and 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 abroad and it was nice to have the whole team um getting excited about it so um yeah he'll be on campus this summer he's already um already hitting the hitting the ground recruiting before he even actually makes it (laughs) to campus he'll be at some recruiting events um and you know we're excited that that team uh you know i think has good things ahead and um and joe is 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 going to do well here well any other thoughts on the friends of bates athletics challenge we have coming up this week Oh, well, you know, I mean, look, this is, again, the first time that we're actually trying uh, this specific uh, targeted campaign. Again, I think that uh, any gift, no matter how small, um, counts towards the challenge will help unlock some some donors that um, have challenged folks to, you know, that they'll match. So, um, so yeah, we just want get, to get everybody involved and, and also you know that competitive feel amongst the student-athletes amongst the coaches just keeps a little competition going after the seasons are are almost done you know rowing's still happening but um but it's been a good year and we want to we want to get some momentum into the summer as we start thinking about the fall which believe it or not is is right Mm -hmm. around the corner and and um i also would just really like to, to thank you on behalf of everybody that gets interviewed on the bobcast and and um and whenever i'm out Uh, at alumni events, things like that. People tell me that they listen to it. They really um, love, you know, waiting for it to show up in their inbox and and all the things you've done with with video and with broadcasting and with the Bobcast and really making sure that we showcase the student-athletes and their achievements. So thank you. Thank you. Jason Fine, joining us here on the Bobcast.
0: Next time on the Bates Bobcast. We'll recap the 2018-19 school year with our report from Indianapolis, where the women's rowing team is looking for its third straight NCAA title this Friday and Saturday. That's next time on the Bates Bobcast.